0: Hi, I'm Maeve Doyle and you're listening to a private view. I'm here with Young Choi at Food Coma, a show that's about to open at Carl Costell's Gallery. There is a great curation here. We have vivid bright colors of the canvases for Food Coma against these panelled walls. It it, uh, it works so well and I think the floor also creates a mirror image of a lot of the canvases. So there is a curatorial expertise here that just makes everything, I, for lack of a better word, sing. And I'm delighted to be with Young. Hello. And Hi. Congratulations. And may I call you G? Yes. Perfect. <laughs> I'm guessing that name came to you when you started studying in the States?
1: Yeah, at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. When so, I was do, doing the MFA program, because I have G my full name, I just <laughs> decided to go with that. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm sure in Chicago, they probably appreciated that too.
1: <laughs> so,
0: Food Coma is a great show. Uh, the colors and the alternative universe and the relationship with food and women and food and feminism and food and just... Food is a life source. There's so much going on here that's incredibly joyful. But I'd like to take it back to the years before food coma and start with who you are and where you grew up and how you knew you were gonna be an artist.
1: Well, I'm from Korea. I grew up in Korea most of my life. I came to the States when I had a really big accident on my leg and I couldn't walk for like a few months. So then I decided to take a break from the college before I graduate so then I can study English in New York because I heard that the city, everybody walk a lot. So I started studying there. By then I was already a professional illustrator and working for a big company for three years. So I wasn't really thinking about pursuing professional artist life, I was more of uh, expecting to be an illustrator, even though my major was fine art and I got the BFA degree. But when I came to New York, I just fell in love with the city and amazed by how much art that I was exposed. And I started thinking about what I actually wanna do and what my real dream was. And then because I never stopped painting since like 12, um, I was getting trained by um, private art school intensively for like maybe like I was painting at least five hours every day until now (laughs) from very young age so I decided to just become artists when I came to New York for the first time so then I went back to uh, Korea to finish my degree and then I came back to the States to apply for MFA program
0: can we go back to the accident? There seems to be a common theme with artists where an accident makes them
1: stop and reevaluate everything in their yeah. life. Well, I was doing so much like different jobs cause I never had a real job until I go to college. and. I applied for this position to become an illustrator for a um, stage costume company. So I would design costumes for the ballerinas and musical players and celebrities. I would go watch them, you know, practice and then, you know, do those quick sketch to get inspirations. So I was doing lots of freelancing work, but then I was tired by doing a lot of overnights at the studio because I had a job. One night, um, it was close to my birthday and my friend gave me this champagne that I liked. I still remember it was like a thin, long, blue bottle champagne. And after like doing like intensive hours at the studio, I came back home, it was about like 4 a.m. I couldn't sleep so I wanted to drink that. I tried to open, it broke in half and cut all the way through up to my bone in my thigh. So I had an open wound and I watched, like, I saw that and I had to go to the ER, like had a long surgery and you know, people say that you see like um, your whole life of That's us. Of right. I had that right after the surgery cause it was really painful. And then I couldn't actually walk for like almost four months. And that was quite an experience cause I realized that I can't do anything without someone's help, even going to the bathroom. It was a lot of recovery time. So I just want to get this straight. That was what prompted you to move to another country and start a new life? Well, thinking about what I actually want to do, and because I always was too enthusiastic about like too many things I was too stimulated by, too many interests and I sort of like actually question myself like what you actually want to do then I was always thinking about, I never been to like another country that's far so maybe I want to go and maybe study English and do something that I'm more interested in than just having this life with the jobs that I liked. So instead of the injury making you more inhibited, it made you more confident.
0: Right. But then how
1: did you... I. You but said you went like to... that I was horrible at the same time. I, yeah. I think that I was very traumatized from the accident and it changed the whole perspective of my life, I'll say. There's so much going on in your work
0: that seems to be also from what I've read, and we can discuss this, some of the imagery and some of what you're dealing with is problematic in Korean culture, Mm -hmm. and you take that to North America, and there's no problem.
1: I will say, um, in the beginning of my career, I think I was making works that are more confrontational and outrageous in terms of the images of the figures that I would have put more different genitals in one figure or like no pictures of any gender or identities that you can define so that I often deliver the image of like genderless or super gender figures more in that image. When I realized like only few people who start buying my work even 2019 from this small show that I had in Chicago at artist-run gallery called Slo. Most of my collectors were either women yeah. or mostly gay men or queer collectors were buying my work. I think that there was real connections. Often my straight male friends had some uncomfortable to look at my work and yeah. would be intimidated by it because it was uh, quite aggressive with the images and i think that some of the friends i had were more conservative and they're not familiar with like you know body image because my my work has been always bodily so that was just my way of thinking, and it's it's not even accurate because there was only a few people about my work then. <laughs> you only need a few people in a sense, and but, they have to be the right people because what you're
0: doing is ad- addressing in this work, uh-huh. food coma, addressing the taboos around uh, sexuality and food and how women are viewed and what women are allowed to do. and there's almost a fantasy food landscape happening here. If we weren't being watched, if we weren't being judged by our appetite, how big would our appetite for food and lust and pleasure be?
1: And uh, hailing from Korea, um, I had to deal with lots of like social taboo and judgment about looking. There's certain like, standard for like, how to be women and how to look and what kind of dress or clothing or how to behave. Like, all of these things that I had to fight with, um... I'm not aware of
0: them because whenever you talk about beauty standards, yeah. everyone talks about Korean beauty standards. Right. Obviously, there was the art fair Kiev this year, and, uh-huh. and people went out to it and said, from men, would tell me, oh, men are allowed to drink there, but women can't touch
1: alcohol. They could, but now it's a little different, but, uh, for example, like, women don't smoke on the street. Um, They have to hide and smoke. Back in the day, like, let's say, even, like, when I was younger, I was not allowed to have a meal with male family members. So we had a separate table for dinner.
0: So what's going on then in, in the paintings? It's a world
1: that's transcended all of those boundaries. So it started from me being on a TV show called Art Star Korea. And a lot of my paintings were, images were blurred on a screen. So when the TV show released, when they were introducing me as an artist and my works, lots of my works were actually blurred on a TV show. And there was a mission where they asked me what's the traditional, like, stereotype that you have to fight with when you make art. And obviously, I'm a contemporary artist in response to what's around me, so I wanted to call out on them and see, like, what if I create the worlds that actually don't make sense and don't exist in the world? Like, would you still judge me? So I created this nine small paintings that's a different type of genitals, so like it looks like alien almost and I placed the works in uh, one row where genital area is and I was explaining about uh, how
0: anatomically it was where genital
1: area Right, right. Um, so then from that idea I wanted to pursue more of that because often I create figures that You can't really define what the identity is or what the gender is. And then from that, extending the idea of fat, what if I make the animals actually don't exist either? Then it's the whole world that's created by me and fantasized. And then there's some moments that's realistic in my work because then I like to play between reality and virtuality so that people sometimes have to be able to believe some parts so that they can enter the work. Go further into that. What do you mean leave something and enter the work? Well, so like the engagement, right? Like if I make some parts more realistic, then people are more comfortable with the image that they can walk into the work easily. The life-size paintings and the figures also is intended because it's a more theatrical. People can easily engage with that. Um, that more creating the environment and then atmosphere instead of just the image itself. Um, and then once you get them in there, if in there they realize how fucked up
0: these are. With the bright colors and the elements of abstraction and the kind of um, well, food-related, sex-related, but also playful, childlike. It's everything is a contradiction in terms in your work. And I'm
1: gonna ask you if you keep a dream journal. I draw, yeah, oh, that's so that, that's the dream journal, right?
0: Yeah, that's a meditation.
1: Yeah, well, it's always right before I fall asleep. So annoying. It's like you're about to fall asleep. It took so long, but then so I evolution? just get some images, then I have to draw. People sometimes quite like surprised by how my process of works. Um,
0: that's exactly where I'm going. What is your studio <laughs> practice like? How do uh, work? you work?
1: So people ask me if I sketch. I don't sketch, I sketch in my head. I'll say those kind of images, the dream journal of the drawings that I do before I go to sleep is probably like like very quick, kind of like a weird figure image that I would do, but not so often, right? Mostly I probably finish the painting in my head and then I just go straight into it. So there's no overall sketch even I start with the main figure, or sometimes with the big structure of the landscape, or like, let's say this one, I started with this tree and the, and the cave, and then I put the figure in. Yeah, and there's a unique color palette that I'd like to discuss as well. I've never seen colors like this. The color, I get inspired from mostly nature and fashion, because I was doing that illustrator job for a while, which I designed some costumes for these musicals and you know ballet. Um, the colors are very sensitive because my main practice when I was younger was watercolor. And watercolor is the most sensitive and the hardest material that you can imagine. Impossible. And once you actually buck up one part, then you can't really fix that. There's also no for mistakes with watercolor. Right. The way I was painting from, the classes that I was taking from the private school was not the way that a lot of like Western, you know, watercolor painters do, where they do like a lot of blending. So Lucian Freud influenced me a lot. Mm -hmm. And I was waiting for that show for 10 years at the, I mean, I went to the National Gallery, obviously. And then, you know, um, there's a room that um, he presents his like uh, drawings of his mom. Um, There's a one watercolor drawing painting in there, and he actually does the way that I do with my um, watercolor, I think that was the most similar I could find from any artist. Basically sculpting it. the the figure with the brush strokes, and I think that influenced me quite a lot. Can you talk us through each of the pieces? What, what's this one called? Um, this is called Still Life with that Game, reference from the painting from Art Institute of Chicago that I saw. And this one was more of like pushing the idea of being mythological um, in terms of the the unrealistic figures and unrealistic animals that don't exist in the world. Coming from that experience of the censorship, expanding the idea of, um, you know, making unrealistic world and that's more fantasized. But then it's still life, so it, ha- it has that um, Sensitive quality yeah. to it. Is it fetishized at all? It, it is, I think. Um, a lot of my figures are like that. Um, and also, food itself is really fetishized, I will say, more than the figure.
0: And um, there's a definite difference in the way Americans view food to the way yeah. Koreans view, right, view right, food. Right, right. And if you lived in Chicago...
1: Right, it was you hard would have had a hard the difference times.
0: in portion sizes and <laughs> yeah. and people eating for entertainment, whereas right. Koreans eat for medicine. It's health, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Traditionally, yeah. You went there
1: alone. Yeah. What kind of culture shock? Yeah, it was not that diverse. I, I had a hard time first. Um,
0: Midwest.
1: Yeah, and because I, the first city I arrived was New York and. I didn't really have issues with that. And then went to Chicago. It was was really tough to adjust first. But then the school itself was more
0: liberated. There's something about the the friction and the tension of a place that can actually benefit your art. And I'm I'm guessing you bumped up against a lot of issues Mm -hmm. in Chicago, which all that probably went into your work. When I read your biography, I was like, what, Chicago? And then I thought, no, it would be perfect because it would create a tension that would really work for you. Mm -hmm. I like your happy, hungry criticism or comment on womanhood. Um, I like that it's tied to beauty standards and moving beauty standards off one point onto many points. Uh, I like that it was censored on television. I don't like it, but it speaks to me.
1: Right.
0: And that's really sort of political and strong, but your work is so joyful. And, and like I said, it's a happy, hungry fantasy, uh, which earlier you were saying, you draw people in with something they relate to, and then they're in what was almost a hidden aggression Mm -hmm. that they didn't see right away. And that's when you have the chance to make them question their values and question the way they're asking people to be and conform Mm -hmm. and to, uh, you know, if life is about suffering in any way, Mm -hmm. moments of joy such as food should be enjoyed.
1: Yeah, And the the color also, Um, often like my painting has this candy-like colors Um, but you know when you eat candy it's like oh wow like i love it but then it's not really good for you yeah then (laughs) your teeth fall out it's kind of toxic in a way so that's that's that yeah so the the combination of the colors are like not common because of that toxicity that i want to deliver as well okay well this
0: is interesting there's a paradox within your desires Mm -hmm. okay so your desires
1: also, put you at risk, right? Like sabotage. A lot of my figures. Also, the the paintings are very self-destructive. You know what? Um, yeah, because being I've been struggling with the weight issues for a whole my life and fighting with that social taboo and the the stereotypes that people have and the judgment of my body. So I think that um, that shows it in the colors and the images that I put out. So does the painting. Increase your struggle, or does it alleviate the pain of the struggle? Well, I think it's both sometimes, <laughs> but then more like I'll say like liberate, um, like relieve my frustrations, and because I I convey that embarrassment and frustration and the you know shame yeah to convert into something that is not that um, I'll say like uh, often the figures are not actually explaining about the weight or the, the state of the body um, it's more about the emotion that I feel you know like it's people didn't think that but I think that maybe people are uncomfortable because of my body and the capacity like in the small space or like in a train like people didn't even think that but I, I automatically think like oh are they uncomfortable with me so that kind of Imaginations or it's like diluted. A yeah, lot of digital. feminists talk about how much space they're allowed to take right. up it's in the, the, the world that I that I try to deliver. So often, like this figure, is, it's not. It doesn't make sense in terms of like how wide and bloated it is. It almost looks like tube, you know. So that kind of gesture is about how I feel and how I imagine what people would feel about my body. Um, a danger of cuteness
0: is a really powerful way of drawing people into deep issues and rage and mm-hmm. anger. Mm-hmm. Nara does it and mm-hmm. the, the, with the girls with the knives behind their back. They're so big-eyed and beautiful and there's something about that in yours too. They're so cute and then you're in it and you get a shock. Mm-hmm. So if you were to talk about food culture, You've lived in the States where food culture represents and means one thing. You've lived in Korea where food culture is something completely different. It's all
1: about food in Korea.
0: Feminism
1: right.
0: in the States and feminism in Korea. So, can you comment on the. The, the food culture. In both.
1: Food <laughs> culture and
0: feminism, the, and
1: <laughs> the tension between the two cultures,
0: East and West, which has
1: been a long conversation. I'll say. Here, not so much with the food and the. Well, like I thought, I had more viewers in the states, because how open their perspectives are to look at art instead of looking at what the images are in the work. Um, Food, I don't know. Like I was eating only watermelon for like a week when I arrived. Um, You wanted to fit in and lose. It, was, it, was just, it was so much smell and salt and it was just like a shocking amount of ingredients in it, like, it was that, but then. But the American it, diet. Yeah, and then. off-putting of sugar, to you. Like, it, it, I couldn't eat much in the beginning, I'll say. Um, in Korea, versus, people think that's like, well it is healthy food, but then people are all about food. Most of the TV shows are about food. So, right. so, everyone is about food, but then they're so judgmental over body and woman's image, and uh, I thought that was so hypocrite. You know, like it it's just doesn't make sense. And food is maybe so around you, and maybe, maybe the in pa- paradox that you mentioned, I think that's something that is really related to where I like what I grew up with, right? About the food and the how they view women. It's better in the states. In terms of like how they, how much they're open and talking about someone's appearance is not, uh, it's it's not a common thing. For me in Korea, like instead of saying hello, oh yeah, you look like you lost some weight is kind of a very common thing people say.
0: They don't realize it's, it's not rude there, right. where you, it would you'd be mortified if someone right. spoke to you like that in the right. States. Right.
1: Yeah. Or like even in here, yeah. like anywhere else other than like Asia, I think.
0: It's How really not.
1: for you to be somewhere where it's not. Yeah, I was really shocked. in living in the States for a while, going back to Korea for like a weddings or things like that, I was super stressed, and I almost didn't want to go back for a long time. The judgment. Yeah, I just realized that I'm different, I'm way more Americanized, and mentally grown up um, and matured. I just thought that there's nothing left that I can relate to my culture. Um, or, or them you. Because why wouldn't they
0: mention your brilliant career? Right,
1: well now they are, because it's, it's not common that a Korean artist who grew up in Korea, go to another country and get success there. So no, not at all. It was yeah, groundbreaking. I think my friend was like, I think he was exaggerating, but I think he thinks that like only thirty to forty artists are I think doing might. that. So that I, when I went back to Korea the last summer, it was quite experience. Like people were lining up to take a photo with me, and I was like, whoa, like, wow, like our star came. This is crazy. But yeah, so I think that something that now they're like thinking that's really cool that I make a living off selling my work but I mean, it's being a woman artist alone is, oh, yeah. and then being Korean on well, top of right. that I, I mean the college was brutal like you know someone was speaking about how they, he will never buy women's woman's work because they when they get married like I said their career is over so like just insulting women artists in public spaces even from the school's comedy like it was quite shocking for me and fighting with that um, thoughts and, you know, uh, conservatism, was, it was quite a lot for me. On the encouraging side, they do say that the pandemic has brought about
0: signs of women being more represented. We're a long way off of anything being equal. Right. But apparently more they're Asian. 40% up, yeah, more Asian artists all sorts of statistics saying younger artists are getting more representation, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are being bid up at auctions so that that will help balance things out. We're not there yet, but it's an encouraging sign and we have to look for that. Um, your show opens tomorrow night. He Jung Choi's show, Food Coma, is on at Karl Koschev until the 11th of March. I would say it's pretty unmissable. Uh, make your way down to Savile Row your show is breathtaking and thank you you so much for being brave and putting it out there it means a lot to all of us thank you so much I appreciate it you've been listening to Maeve Doyle's Private View this podcast is produced by Will Fitzpatrick at Soho Radio the music is by Koresh Hami. thank you for listening